Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Angeles, California. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your host, Shaw McCain. Hey everybody, I'm your host, Shaw McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show was created by an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow the Paranormal and Sacred on Facebook for upcoming events and special speakers from around the world, and we're very proud to say we're translating to many different languages for our listeners outside the country. The call-in number tonight is 619-924-9744, and the Paranormal the Sacred Errors every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. During the show, I can take questions, order, and chat, and you, or you may call in with your questions and speak with our guests tonight. We have a, a little bit of a quick show tonight, but... Uh, I want to wish everybody a happy Mother's Day, and I just make a couple of announcements before we get our guest on. I want to say on a serious note, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline provides free and confidential emotional support to people in suicidal crisis or emotional distress 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Since its inception, the Lifeline has engaged in a variety of initiatives to improve crisis services and advance suicide prevention. Anyway, the 800 number is one 800 273-8255. And rest in peace. We lost a couple people over the weekend, and I feel very bad about that. God bless you guys, and rest in peace. Okay, a couple announcements. Coming up May 29th through 31st, Contact in the Desert, and this is called the Planet's Premier UFO Convention from the LA Weekly. They did a wonderful article, too, about it, so if you want to grab it, uh, join us for a weekend of exploration to extraterrestrial life, ancient aliens, human origins, crop circles, UFO planning, anti-gravity machines, contact experiences, and the need to know featuring George uh, Topolapos, George Nori, uh, just, you know, it's uh, Jim Mars, uh, Nick Pope, just everybody's going to be there, and then so many people show up, you're going to love it. So uh, conference tickets and info is contactinthedesert.com. The phone number is 760-365-8371. Okay, then coming up uh, in June, my friend Gary Bobroff, a foremost expert on the Jungian symbolism. How is your path different from others? What is your deepest source of satisfaction and fulfillment? Discover how to better understand others and give them what they want and help them better understand you so you can get what you want. Anyway, come explore our archetypal nature 
and it's at www.archeytypalnature.com. They can find out what that's going on with that. And uh, he's giving uh, online seminars too, and in person. So anyway, tonight is a very special person. I read her column every week. She's uh, so amazing, and uh, she's author of many books, and her name is Lauren Lawrence. Lauren Lawrence, author, dreams columnist of the New York Daily News, and former TV host of Celebrity Nightmares Decoded. My favorite show. Anyway, I hope it comes back uh, soon. And Lauren Lawrence offers fascinating insights into the celebrity dream, Marilyn Monroe's dream about being naked, Victoria Principal's dream visitation from Andy Gibb, oh boy, and other the meaning of other dreams of flying, of uh, fantasies and nightmares. Anyway, uh, without further ado, I would like to get Lauren on here. Let's get you. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to the Paranormal and Sacred. Oh, hi, Shar. Very glad to be here tonight. I liked your Yay. musical intro, by the way. You, oh, you did? Oh, I liked it you very know, much. Really put, I put me in the mood. <laughs> oh, good. I did, too. It's You know, you can get these little clips, and uh, mm-hmm. I, you can buy them, and there's little clips, and I was actually messing around with it yesterday, and... Uh, Found a whole bunch of little little different clips. And, oh, I uh, liked it. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you very much. Now, Lauren, uh, you're just a, you're just an amazing person. Uh, you've been to college, and uh, you have are rubbing shoulders with just about every person in the world. And I want to know what started you on this path. Well, it's a very interesting um, question because it's not what you would expect. I was visiting a friend of mine who um, who was the publisher of a magazine called Quest. And it was a real estate magazine, but it had a big um, social component with society and parties and all of that. And um, the real estate part would pay for the advertising. And um, I went up to see her to say hello. And she was snapping her fingers in front of my face saying, what kind of column can you write for me? And I said, society dreams. And, you know, she knew that I had a lot of friends and I could go to anyone and I could get some really interesting people uh, like Nan Kempner or, um, you know, many diff- Pat Buckley, or, uh, many different people at the time who were very prominent socially. And um, so... I went about doing exactly what she said, and I, I went to my dear friend Oleg Cassini, uh, the iconic fashion designer who designed okay. everything for Jackie um, Jackie uh, Kennedy oh, no. when she was the first lady, and um, was just an extraordinary, extraordinary man, and I miss him very dearly. And so I, he told me his dream, and then I went to Nan Kempner, and I got her dream, and I, I went to my old friend Michael Douglas, who um, the actor, and uh, he doesn't usually do things like this, but he gave me a dream as well. And I went to a few more. I had about five or six dreams. And I, by the time I went back to her, she had told me that uh, the space that she had for the column, uh, the now the fellow uh, David Patrick Columbia, who was writing the uh, Social Diary, which. When she asked me, it was a very small column. Uh, now it was four pages, so there was no more space. But she loved what I did, and she said, you must go and do something with this. And then I brought it to the Daily News, and uh, and they loved it. So that was my 
that was how my dreams column started. And uh, then I got the idea that I wanted to see if what one does in life is reflected in the psyche. So I went about asking people from every walk of fame uh, for their dreams. And uh, it was really quite amazing. It led to many, many books, and I'm I'm really thrilled that it really took off. And I always thank, I should say her name, Heather Cohen. <laughs> She's now writing a memoir, and she lives in Monaco. But she was the, well, uh, the person who, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny you how know, it's people wonderful. can come into your life, you know, and they can just have an impact on you. And it's a yeah, very you know, spiritual, whole actually. Life. Mm-hmm. You, you were never also know. a political political dreams columnist of a George magazine. You know, that was a wonderful magazine. Oh, I, I adored that. That was John Kennedy Jr., yeah. John Kennedy Jr. was one of the nicest people, the most good-looking. Oh, my God. It was He was just wow. breathtaking and, and so fun. sweet and so nice. And, yeah, he entrusted me with the political dreams column and gave me a list of names of people who he wanted me to contact. One of them was Senator Orrin Hatch. Uh, another one was uh, former House Majority Leader Dick Armey <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> Susan Collins of Maine. And it was just a whole list of people, and uh, both. both. He was definitely bipartisan, and uh, so from both parties. And I would come back to him and let him know how I did. And that was fascinating. Because I, I saw that politicians um, dream, uh, have very responsible dreams, dreams of responsibility, and often the dreams reveal worries about problems affecting their constituencies. So it was very fascinating to do that. Yeah, and uh, you have the, the book that I keep really by my bed, so I have to have you autograph it sometime, The mm-hmm. Private Dreams of Public People, oh, yeah. with uh, the beautiful cover that I so admire. And the dreams in there were uh, quite stunning. And uh, do you have, like, a favorite of yours out of that book? or? Hmm. Um, well, it's been a while since I've looked at it, but of course I I like Ola Cassini's dream very much because it was a prophetic dream. Uh yeah. it actually uh it actually inspired his move to America and uh, his future um his future work and uh and his future wife, I believe. I think he saw the woman that he would later marry. I think it was Jean Tierney that he was dreaming about and um, that was a very fascinating dream. <clears throat> I also um, I also liked uh, the author Kurt Vonnegut's um, chilling dream, which was a very uh, very poignant dream filled with self-recrimination and um, about things that he did in his life and perhaps guilt that he had and and that people would find out about it. And it was a very revealing dream. I thought that was very, very nice from that book. Um, Another lovely dream was uh, Brooke Astor's dream. And actually, she told me the dream when she was 100 years old. God bless her. She lived till 106. (laughs) Yeah, she really was the grand dame of society and uh, and of of that generation. And she, um, her dream was, also one of um, self-recrimination, which was very open and honest of her because many people won't reveal 
that they are putting mm-hmm. themselves down or criticizing themselves in a dream. And she was doing just that. Uh, she felt guilty that she had neglected her grandmother um, during a time when she was very active in society and she was married to Vincent Astor at the time and uh, and she didn't actually need to talk to anyone for comfort or anything like that. But um, her grandmother was very, very important to her during her first marriage, which was not a good marriage. And... Um, and when she wasn't happy, she turned to her grandmother. And then when she was happy and had a lot going on in her life, she neglected her. And so the dream reveals this sense of guilt. And I thought it was very open and honest. Yeah, that they would allow you to go there and then just reveal that, that you know, just proves their depth in humanity. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. and actually, uh, they're willing to be uh transparent for others yes. and you know that it helps the rest of us just be ourselves too you know yes. other people do that yes and then the you've got a gor- mm-hmm. then you've got a gorgeous picture of anthony quinn here oh yeah and <laughs> uh he has a picture dedicated to you and yes. uh his <laughs> i couldn't help it i was like dang she was talking to anthony quinn <laughs> so uh and his dream about living in the edge of a placid lake Mm-hmm. And then you, you, and he's our legendary actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it like meeting him and speaking with him about his dreams? Well, I had met him prior to talking with him on the phone. Was when he he gave me the dream. But I had met him. I had had lunch next to him at Le Cirque Restaurant in New York City many times before, and I always admired him. And you know, so I knew him as, uh, you know, just someone to say hello to. And then. Um, I think he lived up in Rhode Island at that point in time and had some kind of production facility. And another dear friend of mine who lived in Rhode Island got me the phone number so I was able to contact him. And on the strength of our old relationship, uh, because he remembered me, uh, he was so kind to tell me the dream. And um, again, very open, very honest. And I think it says something about the individual uh, because many people are afraid to tell you their dream and paranoid and, you know, suspicious. And some people are downright nasty about it, like Glenn Close was actually one of those. Oh, <laughs> I can really? say it because I'm sure she's not listening. But um, she was not, not the <laughs> yeah. most, not, she was not the kindest, uh, most giving person, no. And um, But, you know, he was just delightful and willing to share and he understood what I was doing and, it was just a wonderful experience. Yes, and um, also the the woman on your cover, Julia Benoche, and then mm-hmm. uh, she said that she often dreamt that when she wakes up within her dream, and then you gave an interesting analysis for that. Yes. <clears throat> well, at the time of her dream, I don't think she knew that she was going to be picked for the cover, and that was not my choice. That was the publisher's choice. Uh, because it was a very tiny dream. And um, I think, I'm not so sure she wanted to divulge too much about herself, but that's the problem with dreams, because if you tell someone something, you really, having no idea what it means, you might get yourself into trouble. And her dream that she told me uh, really reflected such um, such control issues 
you know, people that wake up within a dream, they don't want to dream because they don't want to know. So it's really a dream that doesn't say much about the person who's dreaming it. And so that's the little subtle joke behind that, because when she found out <laughs> she was going to be on the cover, it was it was kind of interesting. <laughs> but, um, it's like you have to develop a thick skin, huh? It just forge through yeah. and be gracious no matter how you feel and how nervous you get. And mm-hmm. there's a, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a couple of dreams that I, I, uh, that Marilyn Monroe was uh, dreaming of being naked. Mm-hmm. And was that what I think it is like being uh, 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 vulnerable to others? Is that what, you know? Well, vul- was, yes, what? definitely vulnerability has something to do with it. Marilyn is not in this book. That's in one of my other little books that I wrote for Dell. I think she's in the Dream Keys first one, Dream Keys Unlocking. Uh, I don't even remember the name of my book. <laughs> Unlocking Uh-oh. something, uh, but it's the it's the first Dream Keys. Uh, and um, yes, when you're naked in a dream, uh, it does reflect vulnerability, but it also yes. is often a trade-off. In other words, you will reveal everything so that things can be revealed to you. And, and Marilyn oh. always wanted information about her, her real father, and she always had um, problems in that area. And so by her stripping naked, it was like she was just saying, see, this is me, this is the whole me, now you show me who, who you are. And it was that kind of dream. And well, uh, I didn't get that well, from her, her directly, videos of course. Were like that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I sorry? get it. Her videos are like that. Yeah. You know, they're mm-hmm. very out there and they're very in your face. And mm-hmm. uh, your dream keys, let me, let me read these back to you, are a, you know, a series of the great books, the dream keys, dream keys for love, and dream yes. keys for the future. Yes. And that book was actually recently made into hardcover, believe it or not. It went from softcover to hardcover, which is probably a first um, it was published by another independent uh, bookseller uh, who saw me at a reading uh, and wanted to do one to to put out again uh, one of my to republish one of my books. So he chose Dream Keys for the Future, and so now that's in hardcover. And um, that came out, I think, in 2011, around, yeah, roughly, because these books were, you know, from 2000. Uh, 99 and uh, 2000, but um, there is a new version. Uh, it's the same book, but I did sort of tweak it here and there, and it has a little longer uh, introduction, and um, so that is available on um, on Amazon. And it used to be available on Barnes and Noble too, but I'm not sure because it was in every Barnes. Yeah, and Noble. there was something wrong with the sound. Yeah, sorry. And uh, we we're thinking about you know what I was thinking about is Pavarotti and. You know, uh, some people in your book are now uh, have passed, and yes. you know it's, that's why yes. it's so important for us to document all these things. Like I feel like that you were drawn and asked to do this, so we would get to have a little little bit of these people, you know, left behind of what the way they thought and the way they felt, and oh, now you true. have a document. You that's know? very true. Yes, it makes me very happy that I can, you know, have this venue for people uh, who are studying, you know, whether it's someone amazing 
like uh, Luciana Pavarotti or a director perhaps who has passed and they want to know some something else about his work on a different level, then they have this source to go to, which I'm very happy and very pleased that I that I could do this. Uh, one of the reasons why I was so interested in getting, you know, all the top writers and directors and and uh, actors is because um, I was a little disappointed that Freud, um, during his um, lifetime, never interpreted the dreams of anyone famous during his during his era. I thought it would have been phenomenal if he did for instance, the Duke of Windsor or, or the Duchess of Windsor because that was such a pivotal um, event and uh, he didn't. And so, you know, and he missed a great deal of painters, writers, all of that. And I, I would have liked to have read what they had dreamt. So I'm glad that I'm so feeling true. that. Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, I'm... Uh... I'm shocked by that. He should have notes or something. I, I guess he didn't. Oh, what do you mean? You mean you Freud? Know, I guess he, yeah, Freud should have had his notes about no, all... No, no, no. no, no, but the point is to have notes would mean that he actually interviewed the person. I don't think he did. He only he, Freud only wrote about people who came in as patients. Really so, women. Well, many women, but he had he had yeah. men as well. But the point yeah. is, that's who he wrote about his case studies. So he did not have he did not have notes on anyone that was famous at the time because they weren't his patients. Well, it's too bad, huh? Yes, yeah. you're right. And mm-hmm. um, now uh, there are prophetic dreams because we talked before, and yeah. it seems like I've had a few. And uh, do you want to talk to us about? Uh, prophetic dreams that, uh, yes. mm-hmm. you know, yes. Well, um, prophetic dreams are different than predictive dreams. There's a definite difference. Uh, many people have predictive dreams, and those are dreams where you you dream something and it will happen, and you'll say, oh, I had a prophetic dream. No. The reason why the dream happens is because of probability. The unconscious mind is so far greater than consciousness that everything we've ever known, uh, experienced, felt, touched, heard, listened to, um, all of these things are kept in our memory. So that, for instance, the the unconscious can say if A happened uh, and B happened, the likelihood that C will happen is very uh, strong. And so they they will give you a dream where it's that kind of scenario at work and therefore it will happen and you'll say oh that was a prophetic dream no that was a predictive dream and predictive dreams come from your inner inner exclusive information a prophetic dream is different it comes from exterior unspecific information it's coming from outside yourself uh, and Many people would say, well, how is that possible? And that, of course, is what I was trying to get at in my book, because some people are able to pick up things that have nothing to do with their own lives. And uh, when they have the dream, they don't often even understand it because it doesn't relate to them or anything from their own past. Those are those are prophetic dreams. So um, yeah. everyone, I'd like to just say to the listeners, everyone 
has the ability to do a predictive dream, and that's interesting in itself, which is why you should always pay attention to your dreams. But the prophetic dreams are, are rarefied. Yes, I, I understand it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I really want to talk about, you have something, okay, to, to get Laura Lawrence's column, you go to your dreams at nydailynews.com. Correct. And, uh, and then every you Sunday. have every Sunday, and we love mm-hmm. it, and we really enjoy it, and we Thank do you. feature it every Sunday. And um, at the Paranormal Mistake Book Club, and that's our, like, Sunday morning treat. Anyway, uh, then you have something new coming up. Why don't you tell our guests uh, if you have an appearance coming up? Oh, yes. Well, yes, uh, that would be um, an episode that I taped in my home for the Housewives, the Real Housewives of New York, which was a lot of fun. Um, many of the girls came by, and we sat at my dining room table, and one by one, I interpreted their dreams. <laughs> so I did uh, Luann, you know, the Countess Luann. I did yeah. Ramona Singer. I did Sonia, and I did Chrissy. And those are the four oh, women who are here. Mm-hmm. So I have yeah. no idea how it will run. I did not see the outtakes. I saw nothing, so I don't know how that will, you know, run. But... um We'll see. We'll have to see it when it comes out in the new season. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're waiting for it. And, and is there any way your Celebrity Nightmares Decoded is coming back? Because I've watched every show, and now I'm watching it all on YouTube, YouTube over and over. So mm-hmm. when is your, your a new one coming out, if there is? Well, <clears throat> I, would, I have an idea for another show. It's a very great idea, and of course I cannot discuss it, but... I'm still looking for uh, another production company to work with because this show really didn't have the the chance to build up as it should have, and it was you know limited by the amount of shows that were filmed before it even aired. So there was nothing more that they could do since these were all shot before the air date, and unfortunately, uh-huh. half only half of the shows. You know, we signed a contract for eight shows, and only four new ones were done, which is half the contract, really. And, uh, you know, that was a separate issue. So um, it's mm-hmm. very problematic, and uh, I need uh, a production company. And I have a few people who are interested in in discussing it, and we'll have to see what happens. If it's meant to be, it will be. That's right. If it's meant to be, yeah. it will be. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do you think? Okay, because I know that we had discussed in the past show that about the a prediction of uh, when Princess Diana of Wales was uh, there was a prediction about her death and what oh, would yes. happen in the dream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, now it's come full circle because we were talking about that and look how sad. And now there's two little babies. And how did you feel mm-hmm. about this latest little girl? I was just like thrilled. What do you yeah. think about this? Well, I I'm very happy for um her son William and uh I I I hope that wherever she is, you know, she she's very happy as well considering the daughter was one of her names is Diana, which is very very nice. And um and I think that I have to say I do believe that she knows and I do believe that she's in the light and the love of the Lord. And so um, I think she's very happy. 
I think she is, too. I mean, we were just, you know, even in America, we're just as thrilled. I don't know if the English mm-hmm. realize that, that our hearts were, of course, for Princess Diana, and now her, oh, to sure. see her children mm-hmm. having children mm-hmm. has really brought a healing. And then her, even though they put her name last, okay, yeah, I have a little <laughs> bit of a glitch about that. But other than that, beautiful family, and I know that she is somewhere. And, uh, you know, uh, I want to once again say the address that you can actually uh, write to. Where can they, do you want them to just uh, contact you at the Daily News? Yeah, well, that's the only way they can contact me. They have to just write their dream in an email, and they have to send it to yourdreams at nydailynews.com. And, you know, they can say that they... They're a listener of your show, um, if they like, uh, and that's the only way to reach me. And I go through hundreds and hundreds of dreams, of course, and I pick out the best ones, the ones I think uh, readers will like. And um, and then I notify people, and I do tell them that their dream will be interpreted. I, I usually run a couple weeks ahead, so... I usually when I when I contact someone I usually say their dream will appear in in 3 weeks or something like that. And uh, yeah. two dreams appear in the column and one of them is visualized which is very nice because that's what they did with my TV show. As you know, they visualized the dream. So while uh, I am hearing yeah. the dream being told by the celebrity, uh the audience is seeing uh the visualization of the dream which I think is very very important and I think it's very much uh, so. It's a great asset, yeah. So the paper, yeah. you know, illustrates one of them, which I think is very nice. Yeah, it's um, another another thing that I want to ask you before you go. Mm-hmm. If you only have a minute. Um, mm-hmm. um, how can we? I know it's possible to control your dreams. It's called lucid dreaming. But mm-hmm. what do you suggest for those who uh, want to work with their dreams intentionally? More. Oh, well, I'm very glad you brought this up because I, I, okay. I will just, this is a good, a good place for me to just tell you, I wrote an article that was published um, about, it was debunking lucid dreaming. Uh, and it came mm-hmm. out about two two years ago, I think, two, three years ago. It was published in the Journal of Mind and Behavior, which is a scientific journal. And this is around the time that I was asked by NBC to uh, review and critique uh, the movie Inception which I thought was the most horrible movie and so stupid and so convoluted. And so, <laughs> so they were not too pleased, but it, it made me write this article, which I did. And I just want to leave people with the idea that um, dreams are not lucid productions. The moment you are aware that you're dreaming, you are bringing in the I, that is the ego. Oh, yeah. Uh huh, and the ego will yes, get you nowhere in terms of the subconscious, because the ego will not take what is in the subconscious. Dreams have to be unconscious productions, and that's how um, that's how we are able to tap into repressed information. And uh, so, being lucid, being aware that one is dreaming, is just nonsense. And again, it's a it's a it's a manifestation of control that a person does not want to let themselves go, does not want to fall asleep. They want to be in control even of their dream. And it really says something about society today that this would um, be somewhat uh, of a fad. But I will tell you that even during Freud's time, Freud uh, was aware that some people were trying to control their dream, and he just said it was a 
it was a bore and and they were just trying to uh you know, not not uh I remember that. Not get into anything uh relevant and uh again having to do with control issues. So yeah. um it's nothing really new. It's just that our society was sort of gravitating to this and thinking, you know, how cool we control so much, we might as well control our sleep. But um it's totally bunk. You know why? Because at that point you're not sleeping anymore. <laughs> you're awake. No, I mean if you're brain. aware, then you're bringing in the you're ego. Aware that you're ego. Yeah, yes, that's it. ego awareness, and that is that does okay. not touch the unconscious. So <laughs> you're you're <laughs> absolutely good, right, and it makes good, sense. Mm-hmm. It makes yes. sense. Yes. Good point. Yeah, so anyway, well, it was I'm let you delightful. Go, so you too, and, and any time, and when you want to have your new stuff going on, I do anything that you'd want to promote it or whatever. Oh, and, thank uh, you so much. I just wish you the luck in everything you do, and uh, God thank bless you, you and yours. Norm. Take care. Thank you so much. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so uh, we did the first half hour with Lauren Lawrence. She had a very important online uh, interview to go through, and she does big things. She's out in New York. And uh, what an amazing lady, and she's just so wealth of information. And if you want her books, I'm going to read them again. Private Dreams of Public People. I found all of mine on Amazon. And she has three Dream Keys series of books published by Dell. Dream Keys, Dream Keys for Love, Dream Keys for the Future. And, you know, she appeared on numerous uh, TV shows, and I don't know if you remember her from Extra. And she was on the early show. She's just been in so much, and... uh, you're going to love uh, her dream interpretations and everything else. Now, we have another interesting thing we're going to do today is is that we're going to talk to a good friend of mine, Deb Suter, and I'm going to get her on the line and just hold on because she has much to say. Uh, she's gone to, uh, she's going to have to give you her bio herself, but she has gone to uh, many interesting groups and classes and everything else and I want to hear about all that and all her life experiences. And she also just went through a big surgery, and uh, I, I just want to just—I'm just happy that she's okay. And I'm, at this point, I'm gonna get her on the line. Hey, Deb, is that you? Yeah. Hi, Char. How are you? Hi. I'm doing good now. How are you doing? I am healing, and I'm getting stronger every day. I know. When I when I heard what was going on, I went, oh, boy, she's going to be taking slow for about six months. I know you had to do it, and you feel better. And you sound good. You sound like you're getting stronger and stronger. Yes, and I wanted to ask that lady about this reoccurring dream that I had before and then the dream that I had when I come home from the hospital. I was stuck in an oh. amusement park, and I couldn't find my way out. In I was stuck in an amusement park, and every time I went for the exit, no, every time I went for the exit, I ended up on some other weird ride and continued on into the park further, and I couldn't find my way out. Okay, so she says uh, she said something about health and medication and stuff like that. In the past, um, were you on? Are you on any kind of medication? Well, I w- that was just like, out of the hospital, so I probably still had some anesthesia and, and yeah, um, <laughs> I <see. laughs> and narcotics in me. <laughs> exactly, that's what I'm saying. Because if you're on drugs or medication or anything else, 
that I think that's the amusement ride you were on. So partly amusing and partly you can't get out of it, you know, until it, it filters itself out of your system, you know. Yeah, because you have no control of it. You have no control, that's right. So it keeps yeah. taking you on a ride you can't get off of until it wears off. Exactly. Right? That It makes sense now. <laughs> so does that make sense? That makes sense, yes. I, you mm-hmm. know, she does a, she's a celebrity dream decoding. I just do us commoners the dream decoding. <laughs> 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 anyway, doesn't that sound like it, though? Because the amusement park could even be the hospital. You know what I mean? How all the stuff is going on and, you know. Yeah, it can be quite noisy in there for someone that has abilities to see and hear things and yes, and because that's things the whole like that, point yes. that I wanted to bring up is that um, I want to welcome Deb Suter. Now, Deb, can you tell us a, a little bit about your background and growing up and when you did, when you really started uh, discovering your gifts? Well, um, let's see. Um, I grew up out in the country. And um, my father had committed suicide when I was seven and in the house when we were all there. So I did see it. Um, I was too young to really um, understand death. I always thought he was hiding in the closets, under the bed, in the basement, somewhere, and he would finally come out because I didn't understand death at seven years old. And um, eventually then it did dawn on me. And um, let's see, I was very overweight growing up, which led to I had a thyroid problem. My thyroid stopped working at the age of 12, believe it or not. And it was not discovered till I was 16 and almost 300 pounds. My um, My mother had developed cancer, and she um, lived to see me turn 18. That was her biggest um, uh, will to live was to see me turn 18. And I went off to call. I was off in college actually when she when she died. And um, so I ended up being a nurse. And while I was a nurse, I always got this strange feeling that when someone was going to pass away. You know, I felt, you know, the mm-hmm. hair on the back of my neck stand up. And I would say it out loud to different nurses and, you know, and they got to the point where they actually started believing me because it actually would happen then. You know, and I would say I have this feeling the Grim Reaper's lurking in the hallways and sure enough, someone would pass away. And when I'd say that then later, they'd say, Deb, shut up. You know, we don't want to hear it. We're, mm-hmm. we're too busy. <laughs> so I kind of had a, a a suspicion then that something, you know, and then you'd always have a intuition like, oh, this is going to happen or that's going to happen, and it did. But it never really got, I guess, fully opened up until I had a reading by Marla, as you know. Yes. And well, Marla um, Fries is a is a is a friend that we both have that we both love like a sister. And yeah. uh and she really she reads uh Life After Death so people that have passed on. So she's actually a psychic medium, right? Is that what she was you would say? 
Yeah, yeah. She did a reading um, for me back in um, December of 2013. And it was a phone reading because she's out in L.A. and I'm in Pennsylvania. And I'm actually in her hometown where she grew up. And we never met. We, you know, even to this day, we've never met face to face. But she did a reading on me, and prior to her calling me, she said she was visited by a spirit saying that there was um, going to be an abuse issue. Um, so when she called me and she started talking about that, and I said, I've always wondered about that, you know, hmm. because. I always had urinary tract infections growing up, up to a point in certain age of seven. Yeah. And uh, when I was in nursing school and was going through the pediatric rotation, they always said, you know, hey, if you have a kid coming in with recurrent UTIs, there should be a red flag go off that, huh, sexual abuse, maybe, you know. So that's when it first started dawning on me in nursing school that maybe I was. And then I always suspected this family friend because he always gave me the heebie-jeebies, and he still does even to this day. Oh, he's still and around? No, no. They're all three okay. gone. There were three Good. men involved. It was oh, it no. was my dad, my uncle, and then this guy. And um, mm-hmm. after the reading with Marla, then um, I had no memory of this because my... I was so young that it just locked it away in my brain and never came out until this point. And then I could actually see what had happened to me when I was little, in the, in, in you know in in the bathtub with my father. My mo- mother walked in and she's yelling and screaming, and I'm seeing this as a third person. And she reaches down and pulls me out of the tub and and um, says a few choice words to my dad and things like that, and um, one time he tried to scald the urinary But did she stay with him, though? Yes, yes. Yes, she stayed there. She said that, you know, if she ever caught him again, the authorities would be called. Now, mind you, this was in the 60s, and she was a housewife, and, you know, and how much she actually knew, I don't know. Um. But the family friend, it was every Sunday to the family friend. And yeah. and as we would leave the house, I would reach up to grab my dad's hand. And he mm-hmm. would pick me up, and the family friend gave him something, and he put it in a shirt pocket. And it took me several different times to try to figure out what is he putting in his pocket. Oh, no. And here, it was money. Yes, what I was just thinking. I just did not want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah, it was money. And then the hardest one, too, was my uncle that that stepped in was like a father figure to us growing up. And I was with him on his deathbed in 2012 as he was getting ready yeah. to cross. And um, I camped out at his bedside for like two days. And he was out on morphine. He was on, you know, uh, comfort measures only, which means he got morphine every two hours. And mm-hmm. I was right there at his bedside, and he just kept apologizing, saying, I'm just so sorry. I'm just so sorry. I didn't deserve your kindness. 
And I'm like, what are you talking about? He was trying to, I had no memory of what he did to me when I was little. And that one was the hardest one. That one is the one that took me to my knees. But once that one came out, then I was able to talk to dead people and see dead yeah. people and help people cross over. And actually in December, um, it, I guess I needed to make ends meet or men's, mend the thing with my dad. So... Mm-hmm. Um, he, I actually had crossed over to meet them, and he had showed me what my life would have been like if he'd have lived. And he was very sorry and very remorseful and broke his heart as he watched me grow up and go through different things. And mm-hmm. But that's how it all came out. And now so I can see them. So have you been able to forgive? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. All three of them. That doesn't mean that you know that they're they still have work to do on the other side, which they do. Yeah. But forgiveness well, is the biggest, biggest and most helpful um, thing that you can do for yourself. It's not for them. You know, it's to help yourself. Yeah, that's a good thing to remind everybody that you know forgiveness sets you free. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, I had. Um, I can't remember who told me this, so I hope this... Now they've been on Facebook kind of giving you flashbacks to things you said. They got me for something I said on Mother for Mother's Day five years ago. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Anyway, I've been on Facebook for five years or more. I don't know. But anyway, uh, you know, it was just some stupid remark. But uh, ha- one thing I... I there's some, something that happened to one of my loved ones. And uh, I just said, I cannot forgive, cannot forgive it. And people gave me a lot of advice. They really did. They gave me a lot of nice things. And they said, you know, you know how people are just so loving. We just happen to know a lot of wonderful people. And mm-hmm. we have a lot of wonderful people in common. But uh, right. one person said, the last one said this, is that sometimes you can't because it's too big, so you let God do it. And when when that and she said that, I like freed me, you know. So I turned it over to God and let it stay in God's hands ever since. So anytime it starts to get me again, cause, you know, some of these disasters when you lose a, a child, let's say, you never forget. It doesn't ever go right. away. You never, you know, because you want them back. It's not. It's very difficult. Right. You know? So uh, I'm still not over it. So I don't know if there is a getting over it. You know, I I don't know uh, getting over it, but there you know you, you got to move forward. You have to well, move you forward. You, you have to live. Yes, yes. I did a reading um, last year for a lady that she had lost two children. She only had two children. She lost two children, and it was very devastating. But after yeah. what I when she met with me, she had this pale look, like she was really wore down and and really ragged. And I read her, and her kids came through, um, gave her answers that she she so desperately wanted to know why. Um, you know, the one was a, a suicide, and the one was a, a drug overdose. 
Oh, and terrible. they both died in their early 20s within three years apart. And um, by the time the reading was over, she looked like a totally different person. She had color in her face. She looked, and I said, you know what? I said, it's time for you to live because that's what they want you to do. And it hurts them, too, seeing you suffer. Yes. You know, because that's what they want. They want you to be happy. They're happy over there. But they see you, you're unhappy, and that hurts them. So, I mean, it really turned her life around. And um, she told me that I saved her life, and, and, and one of our mutual friends also said that, Deb, I can't believe you know, the whole 180 that she did. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. what, what, what does, um, when you uh, you do readings now on a regular basis? Every now and then, every now and then. Um, right now, um, i got to get stronger from the surgery because it takes so oh, yeah. much, it takes so much out of you. Um, yeah. I'm just still in the very infancy process of this. I mean, I'm still just trying to figure everything out and um, I mean, I, I don't charge anything because I yeah. obviously I'm still learning. You know. Yeah. Have you had prophetic dreams? Which means you um, dream something before it happens? Not really. I had the reoccurring dream of climbing up a ladder, a rung ladder. That, and, yes, that's what you were talking to me about. Yes. Yeah. Ahead. Yeah, and that kept reoccurring and reoccurring, and I couldn't figure out what. And um, I had a, um, a Reiki session one time, and the lady, I could feel someone pulling on my legs, and she could feel it also. And at the end of the session, she said, Deb, I think you were on a ship at one time or or something and you know and I said did you feel something pulling on my legs and she said yeah and um, I said I told her about this dream you know that I always get going up this ladder and um, she said I think you you may have drowned in a uh, submarine accident or something in a past life so later then what happened was there was a WW2 um, man that came to me um for you know uh, guidance and somehow this dream had come up and i guess it was me and i needed to forgive myself because i was unable to help my friends they were holding on to my legs i was trying to i guess open up the hatch type thing Yes, yes. And they were holding on to my legs, and I'm trying to open up the hatch. And once they went under the water, I left go, and I drowned too. But I guess I left that, that guilt of not being able to save them came into this life as well. So once I figured that out, I've never had that dream again. Wow. You know what? I said, You know, Lauren studies this... Uh, this is what she do, does for her work. And to me, it's an endless gold mine of what we're really about subconsciously and what we're learning and thinking about during the day. And then also the depth of what's from our past and also, in some cases, the future. It's, uh, 
It's incredible, you know, because yeah, I have and, you know, had a heck. Go ahead. Then people that you meet, then somehow you think, oh, there's a connection here somehow. But I've never met the person. And you're thinking, well, maybe it was from a past life. Yeah. Because we're so much more than our physical self. I mean, that's what the the whole Monroe Institute's all about, you know. And when I went down there last fall, I mean, I had, it was, it's life-changing to go down there. I remember, why don't you tell everybody about the Monroe Institute? I've known many, many people go there. I know Marla's been there several times. And uh, And Yeah, I'd like to go down again eventually. It's it's down in uh, Virginia, outside of Charlottesville in Faber, uh, Virginia. And it was started by um, Bob Monroe. And what it is, it's a, you stay there six nights, five days. Um, all your meals are included, your lessons, um, your lectures. And you got a lot of free time, too, of course. And um, I took the Gateway Voyage, which, you know, you enter into the different levels of um, consciousness from Focus 3, 10, and then you go into 12, and 12 is um, expanded awareness, and then 15 is the state of no time, where you actually feel like there's no time. Mm-hmm. And you listen to the Hemisync tapes on the seat and the, on the ear, headphones, and um, then after each lesson, then you have a um, kind of like a not really a workshop, but a discussion with the rest of the people that's in your class on what you discovered during that exercise. Did anything happen? Did you, you know, do this or did this happen? And and you go up to Focus 21 is the highest on Gateway Voyage, and that will take you to the light, you know. And yeah. I met my two dogs in the light. So dogs. So animals do go to heaven. <laughs> yes. My two dogs that had passed away, um, the first one, um, I heard her um, barking and she came running. And then the one that I just had to put down last May, she yeah. came She came to and they tackled me in the light. And oh, then when I, crossed, yeah, when I crossed over in December and met with uh, my dad and and because uh, he was see he was afraid to come through to me for fear I would reject him, um, because he played with my clock in the hotel room um, before I checked into Monroe, and he played with my clock after Monroe, and 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 his smells was um, cedar and mothballs, because they usually come through to me first through smells, and then yeah. I can communicate with them, and uh, so. When I went crossed over in December and met with my my dad over there, and all my other relatives and and stuff, and I had forgotten, you know, that my one uncle had a couple gold teeth, and I had verified with my brother. I said, "Did Uncle So and So have gold teeth?" And he said, "Yeah." I said, "I said when he saw me, I said he was smiling from ear to ear, and I said his gold teeth were just a shining." <laughs> and uh, and I said and there was the other uncle over there. And um, he said, I love playing with your dogs. He said, did you see them? I said, they tackled me in the light some time ago. He said, I just love playing with them. He said, they're so such nice dogs. And he said, you have nice ones now, too. So, I mean, Aww. so there's 
there they can see everything that happens to us here, you know. I just never even thought they're in not... terms of the pets knowing what you're doing. Excuse me? I never thought, I never thought in terms of a pet would... Um, I did have one of my dogs show up for a while after he passed, but I never thought they really thought about us after they passed. I think they do. I sent Molly in the house here sometimes, too. She's the one that I had put down last May. Um, mm-hmm. I did have, I did see her in the house shortly after she, she left. Um, I heard her bark outside my bedroom window also. But, yeah, they, wow. they are on the other side. <laughs> well, where are you from originally, Deb? Uh, right, I'm from Bedford County here, right here in Pennsylvania. That's right. Did had, you... you... Go ahead. Uh, yeah, right here, Marla's hometown. That's what um, I was thinking. I did, That's Marla's hometown. Yeah, <laughs> and I grew up. I grew up in a small uh, town outside of Bedford, only a population of about three hundred people. And so, right out of high school, when I was seventeen, I graduated. I had went out to Pittsburgh to go to school, and um, so I have a little bit of Pittsburghese accent and a little bit of a Hick accent together. But yeah, I spent. I was thinking over, Virginia, or uh, I, I don't know. West I know Virginia? people from California. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> why. I do have a I do have a twang to it. My you have I a little twang, it. and uh, uh, yeah, because I'm because Pennsylvania is east, and I'm from the, uh, originally Boston and New York, so. You always have that little bit of accent, you know, forever, I guess. Yeah, know, and but, with Pennsylvania, uh, it's, it's you know, you got the Philly accent out there. Then you got the, in the middle, the country accent, which where we're at. And then you got the Pittsburghese out on the west side of Pennsylvania. You know, the Pittsburghese yeah. accent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Okay, so this is this is what you said about. I, I just have to say it, you know, and I'm gonna start making announcements for the suicide prevention hotline. I did not know that, um, you know, that that stuff was in your life too, because as you know, you know, I took that really hard. I guess I didn't expect it. And to me, he's just oh, a young friend? guy, and yeah, our friend. And yeah. uh, what she said was so beautiful um, that. Uh, he's no longer in his spot. Can I can I read you a little bit, not the private stuff, but just a little bit about him? Yeah. This is what you said. Okay, it's, uh, you said he's no longer in his body. He had a lot of medical problems and a lot of depression. And he's no longer in his body. And it's just an empty shell. He's a bird on a wire and the butterfly that keeps flying around you. He's in the morning dew and the cool breeze that hits your face on a hot summer day. He still lives on. Just watch for signs. I just uh, found that very comforting. But I'm telling you, it, I think once you get, like, uh, injured by a certain death, and what I'm talking about is my niece got murdered. She mm-hmm. wasn't just murdered. She was tortured and, and murdered. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and we never returned to got her body back because, um, you know, I don't, I don't know Molly doesn't want me to remember her like that, but um, she came to me when it happened and showed it to me. So that's why mm-hmm. I got very uh, traumatized by the whole thing. But anyway, I miss her. And uh, little by little, you know, I I cried straight 10 years every day. 
you know, mm-hmm. but um, I miss her, and I know that she was Jesus. She told me that uh, the, uh, two years before she passed. She said she had a dream she went to, see, to heaven to see Jesus. Oh. And, she, and yeah, so she told me all about it, so I know where she is. And then she told me in a way, she, she said, and I said, well, who did you see there? She said, well, I saw you there. And I thought she was telling me and my number's up, you know what I mean? But what happened yeah, was she well, was saying goodbye and letting me uh-huh. know she will see me again. In time she will, but see over there, there is no time. Yes. There is no, there, it's the state of no time. There's no time on the other side. Uh, their time and our time is two different things. Yeah, right. You know. So it's, uh, so I don't know when that's going, but I will see her again. That that does help, you know. So. Oh, yeah, you will. Um, and you'll see her how you best remember her. Yeah, when she was 14, that's how I remember mm-hmm. her. That's when she passed. Mm-hmm. And so, she will um, see you as she remembers you, and that's how you will know each other in the light. When you meet in the light and you go through the tunnel. Uh, uh, that's right. So, but the most um, important you... thing is to, to remember is that when someone passes, it's what's left is just their physical shell. They're no yes. longer in that body. No. You can go to the cemetery and mourn, but they're not there. No, they may not. be standing behind you with your with their hands on your shoulder, trying to comfort you. They're not in the ground. That's just their physical body. Well, have you seen that? The spirit? Uh, have you been able to see people? Yes. Yes. I have seen, yeah, I've seen people and helped them on their way, yeah. But they usually come through to me first with smells. Like my yeah. dad, you know, with mothballs and cedar. And and that was because um, I always was terrified of the cedar chest growing up after he had died. The cedar chest to a little kid kind of looks like a coffin, right? It's mm-hmm. long, it's, uh, you know. And Mom would pack away the, the blankets and, and things like that in the cedar chest and put mothballs in it. Well, also yeah. in the cedar chest was Dad's military flag that he had yeah. in his casket because he was a, he was a veteran, and so she stored his military flag in the back right hand corner where it was, like in the casket. So when he, so when she would open that up, it would scare the living crap out of me because I would expect him to be laying in there. And he told me when I crossed over, he said, that just broke my heart that you were so afraid of that cedar chest. Yeah. So he that's he said, from now on, that's my smell. You will know it's me coming through when you smell mothballs and cedar. Wow. So were your family uh, believers also? Um, no. <laughs> believers in... in Psychics, you mean, or mediums? Yeah. No, not really. No. Um, oh. I've had psychic readings in the past, but as far I've a, I, 
I have two brothers. One is very accepting and one is not. I have two aunts left, two of my mom's sisters. One is accepting and one is not. Right. What religion were you uh, brought up in? We were uh, Methodist, but um, we went to church church every Sunday until Dad Mm -hmm. died. And we went back a couple times after he had passed. And what happened, we were actually shunned by the church because of his suicide. Because of his suicide. People apparently were, yeah, people were apparently talking about it and, you know, oh, he's in hell and blah, blah, blah and all this and that crap. And so my mother didn't want us to hear that. So from that point on, we never went back. That's terrible. I'm sorry. I, uh, you know, I've had a lot of a few things, weird things happen, and you know how you wonder who your friends are and this all that. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I have friends that were turned away by the church, and I think that is a heavy blow. And, but maybe it's it's good too. Maybe it just frees you up to do whatever you want. You know, yeah, yeah I still mean, have spiritual values, but. You know, I I just don't get how that reflected on the whole family. I don't understand. And you have to have well, empathy yeah, back, for the yeah. one who did it. That was the 1974. I know, but it's not like this is the 1800s. I Even know. In the 70s, we could have, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we already uh-huh. been through the 60s. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, yeah. I, I just don't understand people. Mm-hmm. You know, for, first of all, there's no we have no control over God's will or destiny or any of that. That's all no. on God. So we right. can't say one way or another what's going to happen to anybody. Nope. You know, we have mm-hmm. no power whatsoever in that area. To me, you know, that's right. why we have faith. Well, this is this is you know this is my version. This is why we have faith because we don't have power. We can't say who's going to hell, who isn't, you know, or, or anything else. So um, I'm pretty traditional, but uh, I also have uh, these other feelings that, you know, the things that people are saying and condemning in others, you better watch out because you're going to have to turn that mirror back on yourself. When, you exactly. Know, there is, yeah, because there, there could be a judgment day and, you know, you might have to, that person might have to stand up with you. I, exactly. I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. how it works. You know, I just have I think, a feeling I think when you, Yeah, I think when you go over there, uh, you, you have to um, try to right your wrongs. Um, maybe there's different aspects or different levels of heaven. Um, yeah. I'm sure my father had to work through a lot of things. Um, when I went over, I did not see the uncle that abused me, and I I didn't want to see him. At that point, I was not ready, and I I don't know if I'm ready right now either. I did forgive him, but it was such a blow because you know I he was like a father figure, and yeah. I took care of him when he had cancer, and fought for him for a new hip, and then when he had Parkinson's and got his meds straightened out for him, and then and then on his deathbed and. Um, I was I was there and he he would not he would not die in front of me and I told him I said I've seen many many people go I said you just go and I, and I sensed my mother there because he told me my mom was there you know 
Because when I walked in that day, he says, I'm dying. And I said, I know. And I said, anybody here? And he said, and, and he said my mother was there, which made my hair on the back of my neck stand up. And wow. his mother, <laughs> of course, his mother and, and another one of his sisters would come and go, you know. Mm-hmm. But my mother never left the room because I would go out and have a cigarette sometimes, and I'd come back in. I said, is Mom still here? Yeah, she's still here. And he would point over to the corner, you know. And one night I was uh, in the recliner next to his bed holding his hand, and he just yelled my name all of a sudden. And I got up and I said, what, what is it? What is it? And he's staring into the corner, and he said, it's the light. I said, that's the light. I said, I'm on this side. Mom's on that side. I said, you take Mom's hand. She will help you cross, and I will help you cross on this side. And he's looking, I'm looking in his eyes. I can see the reflection of a light in his eyes. And I look in the you, corner, you it's pitch black. Yes, and it's pitch black. I can't see the light. I can see the reflection of the light in his eyes. Off, the, off his eyeballs. And I could see it. Mm-hmm. Then I turned my head to look in the corner to see if there was a light there. And I, I couldn't, there was no light there. It was pitch black. You know, and oh, and God, I said, well, that chills. I told him, I said, that's heaven. I said, that's the light. You go into the light. I said, Mom, take Mom's hand and go. You know, I said, you have enough morphine in you to kill an elephant, for God's sake. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I said, what's it? And he says, wow. He's like that. And I says, was it beautiful? And he says, oh yeah. I said, then go. But he well, wouldn't. Why are you he kept... trying to push him into the light? <laughs> because he was suffering. He was <laughs> suffering. I know, and yeah, kept... but okay. One time I was at with somebody, and it was uh, my ex-mother-in-law, who was the Wicked Witch of the West, okay? She's mean <laughs> and evil, and I knew her since I was 15, but I yet we were all there, me, my children, my grandchildren, we were all there to be with her, to help her go, right? So we were just there. Mm-hmm. And uh, at one point, she almost passed, right? And this is what my daughter was saying. I'm ready for her to go now. I can let go now. I'm ready for her to go now. And then she did the death rattle. Uh-huh. And my daughter freaked out. Grandma, don't go. She was screaming, and, and she came back. I said, I thought uh-huh. she said you were, you, were, she was, you were ready to go. She was ready to let go of her. <laughs> She says, well, mm-hmm. I guess I'm not. I said, I told you, because she kept telling me for three days like that, right? I told her, I uh-huh. said, don't you realize that you don't really know how you feel until it's happening? I told right. her, I've been with people that have passed, you know, through oh, strange and mysterious yeah. coincidences, you know, and they've passed in my arms, and you're not ready for that feeling. It's like mm-hmm. you're you're falling off a roller coaster. It's, it's a really... Yeah, anyone that- when I was a yeah. nurse and I helped people like that, I held their hands while they crossed and told them to go into the light. The and then thing. when I was with my uncle and I'm holding his hand and I'm seeing the reflection of the light in his eyeballs and Amazing. and he's saying how beautiful it is, I said, then go. But he, he well, did not want to die in front of me. Not, well, no. And, well, I was listening to people say that in the bed right next to her, right, there was a curtain which I didn't think it was right. I can't remember what hospital this was. Anyway, 
there was a curtain, so there was a lady in the in the same ho- in the hospice across the curtain, right? And her mm-hmm. family was telling her to go, go to the light, go, go. And she was saying, I want to go home and make dinner. <laughs> and they kept, she kept conversation. <laughs> and she kept saying, don't I have to make a phone call? They kept saying, uh-huh. go to the light. Just said, but the laundry has to be done. <laughs> and I was thinking, dang, man, quit pushing her towards the light. Leave her alone, she'll go. Anyway. Uh-huh. My, Speaking of dinner... <laughs> What about Speaking of dinner, <laughs> a couple of days before my um, my uncle, you know, um, died, he kept saying that he said that I was to call Grandma and tell tell her that we were going to be a little late for dinner. And I said, Oh, well, she'll make you. What, what do you want for dinner? She'll make you special uh, food. What you mm-hmm. what you enjoy? He says, I want meatloaf. Mashed potatoes and gravy mm-hmm. and green beans. He said, but yeah. tell her that I'm, we're going to be a little late and not to be mad. And I said, okay, I'll call Grandma and tell her, you know. So he, he was already, I guess, expecting this big, warm welcoming when he got over there. Yeah. Of meatloaf, mashed potatoes, and green beans. But, yeah, he, he did not want to die in front of me. And at that point, I didn't know about the abuse, and I actually, I actually did his eulogy at his funeral. And then after this abuse came out, then I thought, well, I feel like the biggest jackass around. Oh my but god! I, I didn't know, and it's like Marla uh, said, Deb, you didn't know. Maybe you, you weren't supposed know. to know till after. Yeah, I didn't. Wasn't you know supposed what I to mean? know till after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because it would have changed I, the whole course of history. It would have changed, changed everything. Uh, yeah, because, because spirit you know, had come to me. Spirit had come to me um, when I was trying to deal with all this abuse stuff, and I said, "Why is it now just coming out?" You know, and he said, "Do you really want to know why?" And I said, "Yeah." And he showed me my tombstone. What did I say? I would have died in 1987. And I said, 1987? And that was like two years after my mom died, so I'd have only been 20 years old. And uh, I said, why 1987? How? And he showed me that I was I was dead on the couch of a drug overdose. I had a needle in my arm. I said, my God, I never did drugs in my life. He says, no, but you would have. If you would have known about this abuse, he said, it would have been too much for you to handle with your father's suicide, knowing that you were abused, and then your mother dying when you were 18. He said, you'd have turned to drugs and alcohol, and you would have died in 1987. And he said, now look at everybody that you have touched from 1987 till now. He said, they would not have had you in their life. Look at all the people you've helped. And that's basically what he, I think that's why it was locked away, because it would have changed the whole course of history. Oh and it's, 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 it's weird how your brain can lock something like that away, and then it gets triggered, and then, the, then it comes out in waves, you know. And well, it's, uh, you know, it's for, you know, the, the reason why we do that is to protect ourselves. You know, yeah, you and it was hidden. Against- it, 
and I think Spirit hid it from me too because of that, because he had yeah. a special plan for me down the road, and that is That's to help people now with my with my gift. That's right. You know, so during I, your time, do you do you work in hospice or uh, you just do nursing and uh, how does that work? No, I I don't I don't work anymore at MS, so I don't okay. practice nursing anymore. I have multiple sclerosis. Okay. Because when I was going into this major operation four weeks ago, yeah, um, Spirit told me I would be fine. I would come through it fine. Me too. I knew you were going to be fine, but I knew it was going to hurt. But <laughs> oh, wow. it hurt like heck. Let me tell you. <laughs> no, oh, dang, poor thing. But you're mm-hmm. healing so good. But so did and you I have? I sent you the uh, picture of the incision. <laughs> I know you sent me your pictures of your stitches. My God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to share them with you. <laughs> so, but anyway, my biggest thing was, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm thinking just, about it. Did anything happen, you know, while you were nursing? Did, did the doctors or the nurses, and sometimes during uh, surgery, and things happen that usually doctors don't talk about, but there's a lot of miracles that go on during surgery or life and death situations. Yeah, yeah. I was on the floor though. That was like the last stop before heaven. Yes. It was like a lot wow. of geriatrics and and things like that. And um, yeah, we. Uh, that's the kind of floor I worked on. We we took people that no other floors wanted. You know, the nursing home people, the uh, demented, the homeless people, um, ones like that. So um, I was just wondering if there was any kind of experiences that happened there. Mm, other than feeling the Grim Reaper and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I would say there was a couple of patients of mine that, that um, made reference to something that makes sense now, but I thought was odd then. Um, I had a pa- patient one time that was going in for surgery, and she um, uh, she had a specific surgeon, and um, I saw on my my papers who it was, and she asked me. She said, um, point blank, you know, what do you think of this surgeon? And I politely shut the door, <laughs> and I said, well, I said honestly, I said I'll tell you, I said, but. Don't ever tell anybody I said this. I said, but, you know, I said, I wouldn't let that doctor operate on my dog. And she said, so, really? I said, yeah. I said, he's like a butcher. I'm sorry to say. Oh, my God, horrible. I said, I said, um, I think he's personal friends with your attending, your, your, you know, your doctor. I said, but this is the surgeon you want because he's very good. And I said, talk to your doctor in the morning and say, you know, make up some story. My sister said, I, I need this surgeon or that surgeon. I said, because your doctor has to go with your choice of doctor, whatever you want, whatever surgeon. So she did. She changed surgeons, the one that I had recommended. And she went to surgery, and she spent a couple of days in ICU, and she came back up to our floor. And I was in charge in charge that night, and they told me that she was going home the next day and that she had wanted to see me, you know. And... um 
So I was walking down the hall, and we always dim the lights at night, you know. Um, I was walking down the hall towards her room, and the way her bed was situated, she could look out in the hall and see me coming down. And I come in the room, and I said, hey, look, you're going home tomorrow. And she said, yeah. And she said, I have to tell you, when you were walking down that hall, she said, you had this light shining over your head the whole way walking down this hall. I said, oh, it's just the fluorescent lights. I just passed mm-hmm. it off, you know, the fluorescent lights, you know. And she said, oh, no. She said, you had a light that came down and shone above your head the whole way. And she wanted to thank me. She wanted to thank me for sending her in the right direction for the right search. <laughs> so yeah. I told her, I well, said, see, you're going home. I said, you know, you're going home so early like this. I said, if you'd had the other guy, I said, I don't know, you'd probably still be in ICU. Or, oh, my God. What kind of surgery did she have? Um, she had a, um, uh, like a colectomy. They took out part of her bowel for cancer. Yeah. And then they, you, you know, know, that could be a, you know, life and death surgery, really. She has yeah. to, you know have a good surgeon for that. Yeah, because they have to stitch the two ends of the bowel back together and, and, you know, and there's always a chance of nicking something that's not supposed to be nicked or, you know, not sewing it upright and it might be a leak. And But, yeah, she came through it really good and, and she had gotten the surgeon that I had recommended. And she never, and she never told anybody except her daughter. And she told her daughter that that I was the one that recommended this other surgeon. Oh boy. Well, it's uh, I don't know. You're doing good. You're healing. Um, I feel like you're going to get so much better, and now you're going to have time to actually do help more people in a different way. I think so. I think so because um, you know, the, with the the uh, prior to the hysterectomy. Um, the hormones were all out of whack, and it was just like constant brain fog, and it was really wearing me down. Mm-hmm. And I look in the mirror now, and I'm I look ten years younger. Wow. So. <laughs> well, you know, but now there's a peace and there's a wisdom, you know, that uh, we hope we would have when we get older that. You know, you have to reevaluate what you really want, get rid of what what's not good for you anymore, just so you have the energy to keep moving. Yeah, and if they're not working, the parts aren't working, get rid of them. You yes. Know? So that's the way I looked at it. And um, But, yeah, I came through. My biggest thing with the surgery was I was afraid that it would act up my MS. Yeah. And... Um, you know, with that, I I was diagnosed in that with that in 2000, and I had resigned from nursing in 2001. Mm-hmm. And um, I have over 22 lesions in my brain. You know, areas where they're damaged from the MS. And my doctor's totally amazed that I'm still walking. Well, I have a positive attitude. I refuse to give up. <laughs> You know, I'm too too stubborn, maybe. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, by all accounts, should not be walking. 
so how are you feeling? Are you just is it you're still getting over the the major surgery, which is your week and can only last a little bit while then you know. Yeah, and then you but, gotta take a nap and so I just got my yeah. driving privileges back as of Tuesday. Yay. And that was the That's same funny. day I found out about our friend and so I was not I, I I did take the car out because I thought I'd I just have to get out of the house. So I took the car out a little bit and um but my mind wasn't on driving so I thought I gotta go home because I was, you know, upset about what had happened to him. But yeah, I take it slow, and uh, things are coming along. It's very good. So, what are you? What are your plans uh, coming up for uh, the weekend? What are you going to be doing? Well, you can't do much, but are you guys going to be doing anything? Mm, probably not much. No. Um, I did get my fishing license, so I'm going to be going fishing somewhere along the line. You have to always unless, take time for the fishing license. Yeah, unless the dogs went out shopping and got me something for Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> That's that, nice. Yeah, but you know, you know I'd like are you to go back journaling? to go ahead. Excuse me? Are you journaling a lot of your experiences, or are you like the rest of us? We never write anything down. Oh, no, there's a lot, yeah, mm-hmm. That's one thing Marla said right off the bat, write everything down. Yeah, that's the one thing that I want to remind everybody, whether it's your dreams or whatever. For some reason, after that happened to my niece, um, we're talking since 97, that I stopped keeping a journal. And I keep one by my bedside in case I want to write, you know, and I've written a little bit in my book. Other than that, you know, I'm not keeping a journal. And... I want to remind everybody, keep that pencil and, and your paper behind, beside you, and that's how when you wake up and have these dreams, which could mean mm-hmm. a prophetic dream or something. That's, I have the dreams that are uh, teaching me things beyond my, my scope of knowledge. And mm-hmm. it's it's so shocking because I wake up and then I have a, a different um, outlook on everything, you know. But I, mm-hmm. I, I've been suffering a lot because I do have, you know, a thyroid uh, issue. I need surgery on it. And when you were talking, I realized why I had that weird dream that I told you. Uh-huh. Because I, that's my fear uh, because I'm going to have to get thyroid surgery and I go on the 15th. That is why oh. I dreamt that. Oh, but I, had, I haven't had any. I haven't had any concerns whatsoever, I guess, but subconsciously... In my dream, they made a mistake. I am worried. In my dream, I made the mistake. But how weird. When I had my daughter, I never told my daughter this, so she was really grown up and had kids of her own. But they made a mistake with me. You know, and they cut one of the major arteries, and I was bleeding out. I was bleeding to death. Oh. And uh, you know how, you know, when you're delivering, uh, you know, you're really, uh, you could die just like that. So I lost, I think, four... I don't know how many pints of quartz. I don't know whatever whatever he got. I was down. I was low by four. I gave you four, four pints. Yeah, four pints. I was low by four pints, and uh, I went into shock, so I was convulsing and stuff like that. And they did save me, but they had gone into an artery that they said I heard them do it. They said that wasn't wow. supposed to be there. I remember my doctor saying that. 
And oh. uh, I remember a lot so of So your anatomy was fine. different than everybody else's. That's why your yeah. artery was, wasn't supposed to be yeah, there. Your so, anatomy's different. Yeah, so that may be what that dream I told you was about. Because you know when I told you about the dream, because it was so peculiar to me. Uh-huh. You know? So yeah. now I get it. See? We worked this oh. out. We had to talk tonight. We're working yeah. out issues. <laughs> So your surgery's a week away. No, I'm going to go see the doctor for the ultrasound for the surgery. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. so I really hope it's soon, but I guess subconsciously I'm worried. Yeah, you know, I would say. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, wow. and just like with mine, I mean... I was told everything would be okay, and and I felt fine going in. I was, you know, joking around mm-hmm. with the pre-op nurse and everything else and and stuff, and, you know, the anesthesiologist, and I told the surgeon when he come out, I said, you know, my uterus is going to be so happy to get out, it's just going to fly right out into your hand. And <laughs> and he said, oh, a spring-loaded uterus. <laughs> so... I mean, I was just joking around and everything in pre-op, and, and I knew I'd be okay, but it was the post-op that I was worried about as far as the MS because with that many lesions, my doctor told me that all it would take would be one bad crisis, and I would take a spiral. You know, it would, it would be a, yeah. such a quick spiral decline that I would be oh. probably in a wheelchair, boom, quickly, yeah. you know. And that's, is that with stress and fatigue and getting run down, do you find that's when that's, that comes up? Yeah. 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 So that means you have to yeah. eat right, get your rest, treat yourself like a little baby, you know, so yeah, you feel yeah. good. And avoid stress because stress can set it off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any kind of infection or illness can set it off. Yeah. Well, just... Uh, well, uh, you know what? I never thought I'd ever get this old. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> I am shocked. Like, what the hell? Nobody prepared me for this. I seriously mean that. And then I, had a, I, re- I had a family <laughs> relative live to be 108. <laughs> so you're just like midlife. You're not even halfway there yet. I don't think hey. so, no. <laughs> I think uh, I think I'm coming to an end soon, but you know, I had I did have a dream that I was walking down a hallway, and this is what happened just before I realized something was wrong, really wrong with me. <laughs> that was in a dream. This happened in December, I think December. Yeah, no, January. This is when it all came down, January. So uh, I had a dream I was going down a long corridor, and this time I had my cane with me because of my arthritis sacks up. You know, I I, I use the cane, and uh, it still bothers me to use it, but I do. Anyway, because then I'm carrying a backpack and all my crap up to the office, you know, and paperwork, and I must look like a crazy lady. But anyway, um, then I had the following dream that I was on in a corridor, and it was kind of beige, so it was a long corridor, and I was going there, and I was complaining and whining the whole way. I was saying, you know what, I've been, I'm in so much pain. I've been in this place so long, you know, uh, I'm tired. That's what I said. I was saying stuff like that, which which I am. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there was this guy up in front. Sometimes he'd turn around and walk me like I was a little kid, you know. 
So he'd do mm-hmm. it with his hands, come on, come on, come on. And he had a, a perfectly pressed uh, khaki outfit on. Like, like uh, you know how people have guardian angels with big wings and all that? Yeah. My, my guardian angel is like a zookeeper or a tour guide. <laughs> 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 he has shiny black perfect shoes and a little thin black belt. And you kind of look like a little Hispanic guy, about 5'7", you know, handsome, you know, but small. You know what I mean? Kind of a jolly kind of guy. Anyway, he's <laughs> he walking backwards, and he works in this hallway, okay? <laughs> so he kept coaxing me, come along, come on, we're almost there, we're almost there, come on. And just as I was getting ready to round the corner, he said this to me. He said, soon, but not yet. I went, really? He went, yeah, soon but not yet. That's what he said. So when you said, we don't know what time is there, that's what I, that's really what I thought. What does that mean? You know? Yeah. So I kept going yeah, around the corner. their time and our time is different. Yeah. So I went, kept going around the corner, and there was heaven. He was showing me heaven. Have you ever been to oh. Yosemite, California? Have you been to Yosemite? Have you heard mm. about it or seen pictures? You've probably seen pictures of Yosemite, but... Yeah. It's the most beautiful place on the planet. I mean, it's uh-huh. so beautiful. I we used to I used to take the kids up there every summer and you know, I just one time I stayed up there for nine days and I can you believe I kept my kids up there with me camping for nine days in Yosemite, but I didn't want to come wow. back. You know, I cried when I left. But that's what it that's was. That's a long was camping like, trip. You know, it really is, but to me it was life and I was so enjoying it so much, it's almost like I forgot to come back. And when uh-huh. we were coming back down the hill, because it takes a long time even just to get into the Yosemite itself, and we're coming back down, I cried all the way out of the thing because I didn't want to come back here. But I, you know, I was just confused, you know. But anyway, mm-hmm. I must really love it even subconsciously because it looked like Yosemite with diamonds all over. It was that beautiful, just beautiful, shining, glowing. And I yeah. said out loud, oh, my God. And then I heard it, so it woke me up. And then I started worrying. I went, oh, my God. So I had just had a life after death experience. And then I had an anxiety attack a few days later. And I had a weird feeling, and I felt it before. I don't know if you ever almost drowned. You are almost drowned when you were swimming. It's a weird feeling, okay? Yeah. When you're drowning, it feels weird. Because you feel a panic unlike any other. It's just bizarre, okay? Mm-hmm. So I was in the Kern River this time because I was a camping freak. Anyway, it's the Kern River this time, and I was drowning. And uh, it reminded me I had a flashback. And when I felt this before, I think I'm drowning. So I went to the emergency room. Now, this was in January. And they found out my blood pressure was sky high and uh, all kinds of crap, you know. And uh, it was pretty bad and that I had an enlargement of my left side of my heart and the ventricle and all that. And then I actually met up with a doctor who actually discovered my thyroid disease that I've had a long time. Mm-hmm. I remember at least 25 years of blood tests with it showing up, and my doctor never did anything about it or explained it to me. I have hy- primary hyperparathyroidism. And my numbers right now are 171, when normal is between 14 and 64. So I'm really at the end suffering stage, you know. Yeah. But but it has given me uh, insights and all these near-death experiences. So, uh, you know, I don't think I'm going to die. I hope not. 
But no, uh-uh. I'm just warning everybody. You know, I had a good time here. I do want to go eventually. <laughs> but come back and visit me when if you do go. But I doubt you will. Really? Because yeah, come back and visit me. Okay, I'll visit you. That's the only way I'm going to get around. I got to go in the afterlife, yeah. and I'll start visiting people. Yeah, but here that's I right. haven't got the strength, the stamina. I'm going to work. Coming home, I'm missing everything. I'm missing all my friends. Everything that's going on, I'm missed. But you know, what's happening to me spiritually is that I'm learning a lot. So I think what my point is, I think at times like this, this is where God wants you. You know, sometimes it's not the happy times. It's the when you're ill and you're down times when you learn more. You're more yeah. open to his will. You pray more. You have everybody praying for you, you know, which I ask everybody to pray for me. And uh, he's out there. But you know what I mean? It's uh, This is when it's you your learning out, time. It's your learning, and, so I'm learning. And growing. I'm learning that things don't matter, certain things don't matter. I mean, even in this state, men keep trying to pick up on me, right? Mm-hmm. So they keep asking me, do you want to go, oh, can I have your number, can we go out to coffee, can we go? And I, I say no. And they go, what? Because I'm so blunt, you know what I mean? Even on the <laughs> even on the Internet, you know how you have guys and you know them, but you don't really know them, and you know what I mean? They want, And the reason why I'm not responding to anybody is because I'm tired, okay? I'm tired, my whack. I didn't want to tell anybody that I'm sick. You know, I was embarrassed, which mm-hmm. is weird because it's, it's not, I didn't give it to myself. You know, that's no, the weird uh-uh. part. You know, right, and then you're embarrassed happens. about it. I'm weak. Mm-hmm. It just happens. So I've just been saying, no, I'm too tired to go. I just can't seem to manage it. <laughs> So <laughs> it's flattering to me, but at least I'm, I'm getting a little wiser. I don't need that bunch mm-hmm. of little baloney right now. <laughs> Not to say, me. <laughs> really, right? what, what, you, they better, but the the right one, I haven't pulled in my shingle yet, okay? That's not about, that's not what it's about. I'm just saying, I don't feel right now, right now. So if you want to date me, start praying for me. That's all. I need prayer. I need moral support, and I need another spiritual experience, which I'm scared to say because you know what happens, how you get those. You know, you get well, those when you suffer. that's how we learn. That you how got we learn that. that's how we grow. We learn. Exactly. But do you, did you feel particularly vulnerable? Because I'm feeling very oddly vulnerable. Really weird. I, yeah, I did going into surgery, but I, I, I knew things would be okay, except the MS was what was scaring me. Yeah, okay. You know? But I mean, but I feel vulnerable to the world. I feel weaker. So I feel like, uh, I don't know how to say it, like weak or something. That's I think my illness thyroid. Once that's yeah, taken care is. of, you, you'll get your strength back. You'll get everything back. And, and you can go up to that those guys that ask you out and say, okay, I'm ready for that coffee now. Let's I'm go. I'm ready, baby. We'll get that coffee. That's right. <laughs> I'll start with coffee, then I might go to the straight stuff, straight coffee. Maybe that, that'll do it. <laughs> but I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing because you don't know how far down I've gone. I mean, I was cute. Now I'm just I'm old and I've got a parasite thing going. Well, what can I say? I don't think it's going to be your time. I think you got a lot of right. to do yet, honey. 
Oh, dang it. <laughs> All your right, zookeeper, so. your zookeeper angel guy's <laughs> gonna have to wait. <laughs> he even told me to wait. You know, he really told me it's you know, I don't have as much time in front of me, but I didn't have the feeling like I wasn't going go any second. And if it, you know, and I do love everybody, I'll miss everybody sorta. You know what I mean? But it's mm-hmm. uh. You know, I feel like uh, who we are, this is what my theory on this whole thing, because I've had these very strange uh, out-of-body experiences and life after death things and all kinds of stuff my whole life, is that you stay mm-hmm. who you are. You, mm-hmm. Your soul is who you are. And it's That's who right. you are goes to the universe. In the eternity, you always are who you are. And your you body is just your physical shell. It is for now. Like a temporary mm-hmm. holding spot, we're here to learn a lesson, and then you know someday we go out into the universe, and uh, that uh, our Creator—if you believe in a Creator, but I do—and yes. I believe that our Creator has had has so many souls that He's in charge of that He would give us the gift of identity. We have ourselves. Right. You know, it's a beautiful thing, and we should just try to love ourselves more. You know, less criticism, more love, really. And that goes for everything that's going on. You have to love yourself before someone else can love you. That's true. That's true unless you get one of those tendest kind of people that will love you and love you until you love yourself. I know that's happened too. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean. But to really grow and and, and expand, yeah. you really have to um, love yourself. Because uh, some people go from relationship to relationship and never really learn what yeah. went wrong in the past relationship, and they and it, it follows them to to the next one. Well, it's, you know, it's just like true. they're afraid to be alone. They have to be in a relationship, and that somehow that defines them. You know, yeah, I could care less. I have my dogs. I'm fine. I could care less. Yeah, you know. yeah got, the little my little last companion that I got is such a good friend of me. I'm telling you, she's a little sweetie pie. But uh-huh. even her, yesterday, I have a complaint against my dog. Now I have a complaint. She's been <laughs> a good girl for four years because I rescued her, and she knew she was on death row, and I got her off of death row, and she knew it. So she's been so grateful. She's so faithful. She won't leave the yard, and she won't do any of that, even though I don't have a fully fenced yard. She doesn't leave. Uh-huh. And uh, but today I was like, no, that wasn't today. Yesterday morning, I had her on her lead. I had an armful of paperwork. It's so heavy, I almost can't carry it. I swear to God, it stuff was like twenty pounds. It was two of those schemes. They almost two, almost two of those packs of paper. That's how much documents I had to get done. Anyway, wow. so I was carrying it, and she heard a noise, and she yanked out of her lead, and she was running down the street. She's never not come to me. I called her, and she looked at me, stranger danger. She looked at me like she didn't know me. Like, what the hell are you doing? Aww. I said, get back here. She kept giving me that weird look like she didn't know me. There's a stranger. What does she want? And she kept taking off. I finally got her with the, the clicker for the door. You know how the door makes that, that sound when you open your car door? And now uh-huh. she, she heard that, and it brought her senses back. I said, get in the car, and she got in the car. I locked her in there, but dang. So that's my only complaint so far in four years is that she looked at me like that. Like, who are you, lady? Bye. Oh, well, she was probably she, shocked that she do? actually did that. Maybe she, she was, was shocked, shocked that she, she actually... Looked, 
she looked it too. She didn't realize. I don't know some. And there was that weird, really loud pounding sound from some machinery. That's what started it too. You know, she was more oh. startled. But usually she just stands by me, and she even if it's startling. But this time, anyway, she took off, and it wasn't good because now how in the hell am I going to catch her? I told her right. there's nothing out there for you. You're going to end up in jail again. <laughs> what does she, she do in thunder? Uh, nothing. I'm telling you, she's steady as a rock. If she, if something's going on, she'll look at me and see if I'm calm. And if I'm calm, she's calm. We're all calm together. Sort of like yeah, that. Yeah, oh, she, oh, she senses your your uh, emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have actually a question, and so I don't know who this is. So we're taking our chances. You want to take our chances? Well, I guess. Calling them. They, they might be asking one of us a question. It could okay. be. Uh, okay. Well, hold on. Hi, area code 336. You're live with the Paranormal Sacred, and we're talking to Deb Suter about anything we want to talk about. Hello? 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 Hi, what's your name? I don't think anybody's Call there. back. Call back, person. Call area code 336. Uh... You know what? It even it even dropped me, and I think Lauren Lawrence was talking to herself on here for a minute until I got back on. But I've gotten smart about what's going on with Blog Talk Radio, and I always keep my Android on, so the show's still going, so it doesn't just black out anymore. Oh, okay. So if any if, so, if anybody, any guests, anything, anybody gets dropped or anything like that, just know the show will stay on. So just keep talking because. Uh, I have a, my Android going along with my laptop. So, anyway, so if that person does want to call and ask a question, then go ahead and call back in. And probably that would be, we only have 15 minutes left, so the call number tonight is 619-924-9744. And we've been enjoying Deb Suter, who's filled in this last hour and a half with me, and we're talking about everything under the sun. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> we are. We talked about yeah, surgery. We talked about life after. So ask any question, but if you say anything wrong, you know any any crazy remark, you're gonna get it. Who me or them? I'm not gonna say anything to you, saying. but I have a copy of everybody's number, and I call people back. They don't realize oh, okay. I do that, but I do. I copy their number. I say, hey, you're the idiot on the phone that swore it, blah, blah, blah. And they get shocked. <laughs> you might cut me off, too. I'm not going to cut you off. That only happened one time to this very nasty guest, and he was rude to my co-host, so I hung up on him. Oh. And okay. that's the only time I had to do that, you know. And, you know, October will be my third year. Wow. That I have been keeping the airwaves going. And I have heard from AM Radio Vegas that they're all listening to me out there. They love the show and that um, all the radio stations are going to go Internet rather than she calls terrestrial. You know, like we usually think of a radio AM, FM. It's not going to be like that Mm -hmm. anymore. It's all going to be Internet, which is going to be cool, meaning it's open to anybody. And it should be free. You know, it should be free radio. Because mm-hmm. this is like the last bastion of, you know, try to get on TV or try to say your piece in the world. You really can't, you know. You, I guess you've got some big mouths on Facebook, but that's kind of a cheap shot. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, people uh, do that. 
they do, and I don't know why they're fighting. I was in a fight yesterday. I don't even know what it was about. <laughs> you know, I just had to stick up with a friend because I'll stick up with for my friends, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, oh, there's a person again. Okay, let's, they're back. Okay, you're back and we're running out of time. What's your name, please? Hey, Jen. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm sorry. My phone has gotten old, so when my cheek <laughs> sometimes hits it, it either goes, like, mute or it'll press a number yeah, or it'll just Yeah, I was out. looking for you. What's your name, please? Uh, Jen. Hi, Jen. So, Jen, what's up tonight? So, I have had a dream. I have them often, but this particular one um, happened this week, and it's just been rocking my world all week. Well, tell us. And is that so a good hoping... rock in your world or not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's just I don't know. I don't. I just I need to share it with somebody well, tell else. Tell us the dream. Tell us the dream. Okay. And then we're going to talk it over. Go ahead. All right, and then there are some other things that have happened after, but let me just go on and just give you the the dream. So, okay. in the dream, um. In my present life with my present problems, and but I am ten years ago in the home that I was in, mm-hmm. and I'm outside, which is a home that I very much enjoyed, and um, I'm outside on the front porch, and as I look into the sky, the sun is setting. And the moon is this deep, deep orange, bizarre. And that past home was a condo. I'm now not in a condo area. Um, So many people lived within this community then. And I'm looking into the sky and wondering why no one else is looking up at the sky and amazed by this deep orange moon and it nearly looks like as I keep staring at it and I'm wondering why this whole community of people that live here are not outside seeing this it begins to show nearly like a I don't want to say a spider web because that wouldn't be correct but in my I, there aren't any other words that I can describe it Something is very wrong, it's very eerie, and I know that something is not right. And I'm wondering why no one else is concerned except for me. Now, let me just say this. Yes. When I woke up from it, it was May 4th at about 12, it stunned me so much that I, in real life, got up, got a sip of water, and Googled moon May 4th and realized that the new moon or the uh, full moon had occurred at, I don't know, 11.44 on May 3rd. Would have been the strawberry moon from what I learned. This is all happening as I'm just waking up from this dream. Hmm. Um, now, let me just say this too. 
I had been, well, no, I won't even say any of that. Let me just, do you have any thoughts on that? Yes, I do. Okay, so if, if the, what Lauren, well, I have two different opinions, so Deb, you, you, keep, you tell, keep your opinion in mind, too. Okay, what Lauren would say is the home is actually our own self. So we're looking at the self. And you told me you did enjoy that time and that place that you lived in, right? But mm-hmm. then but this was not this was then, not a good feeling. No. Okay. So the thing is that that, I, that once you stepped outside yourself and was able to observe, you started seeing uh, the the red blood on the moon, which means danger ahead. But also there was some kind of strings attached, which means maybe there's some kind of manipulation or side stuff going on that you're now aware of. Mm-hmm. So you stepped outside yourself. Now you're aware of this manipulation going on, or a master manipulator, you could say, is in, is in somebody's Oh, body. my God. You can see okay. it, and nobody else can see it. Okay. So, now, right, like I know this already in myself. I don't even know why I called in. It's just I want to not go. Well, it gives me the chills like, because I, let I this think dream drive that me crazy. is what's going on. Now, what do you think about what I said? Now, do you want to hear dead side? It's right on top of it. Okay. I'm no tell. dream expert. I, I, I agree with you. I'm no dream expert. Well, this one I felt very wholeheartedly about, is that she stepped outside of herself and is looking up at danger. She sees a master manipulator that nobody else is aware of. Mm-hmm. And you know, I have a feeling it's a guy. I have a feeling it's like a man that's manipulating everybody. It could be like that, but I'm not sure. But, okay, you tell me what it is. What do you think it is? To me? Me? Yeah. Deb agrees with me, so what do you think it is? That's an actual manipulator. Yeah. You, You agree it's a man? It could be a man. It no, could I know be it could what, be. But. It could be what a person or else a person who is very manipulative. A and, strong force. Uh, yes, a, a, a negative force is manipulating everybody and only you can see it. And you're frustrated because other people don't see it. I think I take that part literally. No, I'm right there in the middle of that situation. So that is yeah, exactly what I interpreted it. To mean. Okay, um, so that's my interpretation. But let too. me just tell you this: this is how much more bizarre it gets. So I'm I'm doing um, uh, like a kids project because uh, a week earlier I'm on vacation with the family and mm-hmm. with my kids, and in order for them to have. Um, like excused absences because they're young, you have to kind of make it educational. So we just take pictures as the weeks go, or, or as the week goes along. Mm. And now I'm getting it all together for them to present to their classes. Right. And this is after the dream. Remember, I, I woke up on it that right. May 4th at like 12 o'clock in the morning. Okay, mm-hmm. well, right. yesterday is when I'm putting the book together. Now, this is bizarre because now it's like physically manifesting itself, at least unless I'm nuts, and I don't think that I am. So 
I just take the pictures from all the iPhones and us having a good time, which are beautiful shells along the beach and mm-hmm. um, different clams and jellyfish and, you know, you name it, whatever it is that you find with your children when you're walking along the beach. Well, now I have to give them a picture side to the book, and I'm now trying to Google up uh, sea snails that you would find in this area, uh, jellyfish you would find in this area. And as soon as I Google that, I see the images. It nearly looks like the jellyfish I took a picture of, the sea clam I took a picture of, the sea snail I took a picture of. And then our last picture for the book was of the sunset and the moon in the sky on May 3rd. Before wow. we left. Oh, beautiful. Let me tell you something. Now, listen to this. This is crazy. The snail was called the Atlantic. Uh, hold on. I've written it all down. I mean, because my kids are only four mm-hmm. and six. The Atlantic. Uh, the Atlantic moon snail. How weird. Pretty, pretty, but dark. Because the snail mm-hmm. eats its, drills its way and eats its way, which was a beautiful snail. We released it back into the ocean because it was still alive. Beautiful, yet it has a dark side because it drills its way with teeth, which I didn't even know snails had. I didn't either. It eats either. its way through mm. that shell and sucks the life out of the clam that lives within it so that the snail can live in it. Right? So I'm like, okay, okay, that's a coincidence, right? Then I move on and print the picture out for the second page of the book, which is of the jellyfish. The picture that comes up nearly looks like the exact same one, but that jellyfish is called the moon jellyfish, which rarely stings, and if it does, it doesn't hurt. And then we come with the one with the moon over the sunset, which was the strawberry moon for this time of the year. I don't know. It's just like I was so alarmed in my dream. Well, it's like it's beautiful like in your dream. Yeah, it's, it's like it's beautiful in your dream and it's beautiful in reality, but there is a dark side. There's a brain sucker out there. We have to figure out what it is. He's a manipulator. Oh my God, he even relates it to, to that beautiful snail. Yeah. It's so odd. It's very odd, but that's the way this stuff comes because subconsciously we know, like you subconsciously kind of know what, what's going on. You know what I mean? Do you guys so, have any other callers waiting? Because I would just like no, to throw there, one more there, in that's been holding me off for a no, long time in my a, life. But we only have like a a minute left, so um, um, I could cram yeah. it in real quick. If you if you give you a minute, because I have to say goodbye to Deb too. Well, Deb, you take the next one. Say this one. Go ahead. Okay. Deb. Okay. okay go ahead. I get a lot of messages in my dreams, and I've never understood this one. Um, many of my ancestors will come to me and speak to you. My grandmother never does. So this one had to do with my grandmother, and her father worked for a railroad. 
um, just as a past back in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, so she passed away like 20 years ago. Anyway, a dream I had a couple of years after she died, I'm at a railway station in okay. my 20s. Okay, hold on, let me, hold on one second, just let me make the ending uh because we're going to keep taping, but they're not going to be able to uh, hear it uh, in okay. the chat room either. So, uh, okay, follow links to contact me, and you can leave a message if you'd like to be part of a show for general help and assistance. Um, also, we want to thank Lauren Lawrence for opening our show, and we want to wish her luck in everything she does. And uh, read her books. You can find her on Amazon Dream Keys. And also, we want to thank Deb Suter for filling in and telling us her interesting story and showing us her stitches. And we want to thank Jen for being on. Deb is awesome. We want to thank Jen for uh, being our uh, our interesting caller tonight with her dream. So we're going to carry on. We're going to be listening to an archive. So bye, everybody. I love you. But we're going to keep talking until we talk this last dream out. Okay, God bless you. Good night, everybody. Okay, we're still on the air, but now we're recording. Okay, okay so ladies. Go ahead. Thank you so much for even just listening to the last little bit. I appreciate it. Go ahead. Um, okay, so I'm at the railway station. I'm in my 20s, and I know that I'm going on a long journey. I haven't gotten onto the railroad yet or the train yet, and I'm not a train traveler, so in real life. But anyway, so as I get on or get ready to board the train, my grandmother comes up, doesn't speak to me as usual. She's the only one that doesn't come to me in dreams and speaks. She she never speaks to me. She only looks at me and that's it. And this one is the only one that she ever spoke to me. And she takes a satchel and I want to say it was black, but now I'm not sure because it was a dream that I had long ago. Um, and she hands it to me and convinces me to stuff it up my shirt and says, no matter what happens, I cannot be discovered with this satchel. And I'm looking at her just puzzled because this is something she never would have asked of me. And I, as I get on to the train, I, this is so crazy to even say, but it's just as real to me as if it happened. I look down and see a, a bone, a human bone coming out of the satchel. Oh. And I know that I still have to get, because she's got my, it's my grandmother. I mean, she taught me everything that I know. And so I'm, there is no way to really hide it because the bones are too much. But I'm still doing my best to do it. And she sends me off onto this train with this satchel of bones that I'm somehow supposed to disguise, which is close to impossible. I mean... And I I don't know what to tell you past that. I mean, there are a million other dreams I could ask you about, but I've never understood that one other than, like, keeping family secrets in the closet. 
And maybe she and, had uh, maybe she had a child at one time and lost it in um She did. She had two stillborn Maybe that's what it represents. Maybe that's what it represents. Oh, I wonder if I was having it at the time that I lost two children before I had yes. my two. Was that before you had your miscarriage? <gasps> no, but if I could think back, if that said the exact, yes, it could have been. She may have been telling you in could, a way that I you were going to, to lose the baby. And I have all of her pictures. And that's one well, of our connections that, that we made still, because I have yes. pictures of her dad stillborns. Oh, oh my goodness. Also, oh my the God, satchel, I never put that together satchel, until you just said the, that. The satchel is the uterus. Yeah. You know, it's <gasps> holding the bone. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. And she was probably mm-hmm. warning you about the miscarriage. She had two in her life, I cannot life, you said? believe you just broke that through to me. Oh my God! I, know. I wonder if me that the was the message before, because it's so creepy that she was so verbal with me before well, she was warning. Yeah, she does not speak to me. Well, the warning you on this time, so, ladies. Thank you so much. I have not been able to crack that one. Yeah, that is. I would exactly say that's what it is, what it Char. Was. You? Oh my God! Would you God. say that's what it is, Char? Yeah, of course. It's just so symbolic that yeah. it's the bag of bones. I lost carrying my first the first so, yeah. yeah, it's her way of saying, you know, I have a, I have this secret. It must have hurt her a lot, and it must have hurt you a lot. But here's the bag of bones, you know, and that's like the uterus holding the bones. But mm-hmm. also, you know, the and bones. That she feel, and that she feels it because you I was too. too far along. And the bones, the bone, yeah, the bones are also meaning it's a mark of permanence that, that they're actually here even after we die when you think about it. You know what I mean? What did you say? So that the bones are actually here even after we die. There's a permanence to the bone. You know what I mean? Yes. And oh it's, it's it's a beautiful God. thing. I don't think of it as a negative thing. I no, think me neither. You know, me neither. It's beautiful. It's very very I just couldn't you know, because we're going back to the bones so when people creepy. No, only because it's bone. We used to think it's scary, but when you get down to the bone of something, it's getting to the bottom of things, it's getting to, you know, to the marrow of your bones, you know, I could feel it in my bones, you know what I mean, stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, but it's yeah. a good thing, but I think it's the babies that are in the satchel. I can't believe yeah. that y'all just helped me understand that. Uh-huh. See, yeah, and she wanted, to show, she wanted to show you, too, that she made it through and you would make it through, too. Yeah. That's right, she and that's why she sent me on my way without she being pathetic or just go on, get on there and yeah, go on, even when it. the bone was falling out and I was embarrassed. And yeah. I was like, how am I supposed to do this? It was, it, was, it was a symbolism to move on, that it was okay. It really was. She got that mm-hmm. right. I am so glad I called in tonight. Gosh, I'm so glad you did, Jen. Take care. Call in any time too. We're you know we need a chit chat show once in a while. I think we'll just do an open form and chit chat show. Yeah, I mean I have so many show. I could like just run y'all out and have any other callers, but just for that <laughs> one tonight just was you, enough, and the other amazing. one. So I thank you so well, much. You know it's an honor for us really because it's an honor for you to share that with us because it's a deep dream. It's just not a dream. It's a depth that. You know, it's an honor to hear, really. I just want to tell you that, Jen. 
Okay. Thanks, ladies. God bless you. God, God bless, bless you. Take care of yourself. Okay. okay bye. Good night. Bye, Jen. Bye, Jen. Now, Deb. Deb, yeah. we got a special thing we got going here tonight, and I really want to thank you for filling in. And it turned out, you know, this is this is doing what we're supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? Because I was getting chills, you know, with uh, with what would just happen right now, you know, and uh, yeah, it was, it was her grandmother. You know, she never spoke to her before, but she spoke when she when her granddaughter needed her the most, That's and that right. was to help her get through these miscarriages and show her that it's okay that she did. She had miscarriages too, and she moved forward. So yeah, it was. That was right. that was good. Mhm. That was really good. So it's a beautiful symbology too because um I don't take it I, I know when it's happening it feels bad. But to me it was a beautiful thing, you know, about letting go and that life goes on and you know, the the bones never really leave. I mean there's always something permanent. You know what I mean? It's, it's always it's, part it's, of you, yeah. It's already a part of you. That's exactly what I'm trying to get out. Thanks for saying that. So, Deb, yeah. uh, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on the show. I just can't even believe it. And uh, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'm so glad that we were chit-chatting on the on the Facebook. So um, I'm glad that you answered my call. And uh, really, yeah. well, God bless you for that. And you just uh, heal up really good and uh we're gonna, you know, keep. I, I lit a candle for our, our dear friend when it happened over the weekend, and um, I think this helped a little bit, you know. And I'm gonna start making that announcement, you know, about uh, those hotlines that people can call and uh, don't give up for the miracle happens, you know. Yeah, and now she's like, go ahead. And all it takes is sometimes is just to lend an ear to someone that is suffering yeah, from depression. That's right. And so the funny thing is, I heard from him on the twenty second, and he said he had some wonderful news. Me too. too. That's what I thought. I was just waiting but, to. But too, hear. also, if you're going to kill yourself, you're not going to tell anybody. Usually, if you no. say I'm going to commit suicide, I'm going to kill myself. I hate my life. I want to die. You don't. That's usually yourself. a cry for help. Yeah. You know. And it's usually so he, when they become all of a sudden happy and and everything like that, that's when you should be concerned. And then it's starting to piece together with me now with that, you know, that last text mm-hmm. that I got from him that he had some good news to share and couldn't wait. And I said, well, I can't wait to hear it. And then I never heard back. And I thought, well, yeah, maybe I, now I'm thinking he made up his mind to do it and that's, you know. Because I don't know. that's usually whenever they're at their their point of no return is when they have a exactly. plan and they know exactly what they're going to do. And that's when they're... Well, Scotty, we're going to miss you, and I hope that you have found, you know, the peace. And Deb said that she knows that you have. So the Su- National Suicide Prevention Hotline is the same number it's been for a number of years. And that number is 1-800-273-8255. So if you're feeling low... Uh, don't do anything to yourself. Go just reach out and get help. It's you know, sometimes the depression is actually a call for you to reach out to others. And again, the number is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. And we'll dedicate this show to Scotty. And God rest your soul. Yeah. Okay. Yes, thank you. Love you, Deb. You take Love care. You too. Okay, okay. I'll see you on Facebook. Take care. Okay. You too. Bye bye. Okay. 
Bye-bye. Good night, everybody. It's been a wonderful show. I'm glad you were with us and that you had patience for the little glitch at the beginning. And we also want to tell you Lauren Lawrence can be reached out. Let me get her uh, her dreams call. Lauren Lawrence, her dreams. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.